Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb, and this is where you'll get the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character and our culture saturated with media and technology. You know, we call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and hard work to not only keep on top of changing technology, but then to know how to incorporate that into our families' lives. So our ultimate goal here is to keep you educated and equipped to raise your tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. Well, today we're going to continue our series on popular Netflix shows, and this time we're going to apply our brave parenting perspective to the hit series Stranger Things. Now, last week we talked about 13 Reasons Why, so if you missed that episode, be sure to check it out. And also back in the archives of Brave Parenting Podcast, you can find an entire podcast dedicated to Netflix as a whole, as an app, sort of guiding you as to whether or not you want that app on your child's phone. But today, we're going to deep dive into Stranger Things in order to discover some of the show's themes and whether or not that's ultimately beneficial to our children's character and relationships and their growth as kids. So now back on the show today, I have Chelsea Hazel. Welcome, Chelsea. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for inviting me again. It's always a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, Chelsea is a biblical counselor. She's also an Air Force wife and mother of three preteens. So you definitely have the age that is the most popular right now for Stranger Things. It's loved by adults, but all the way down to about 10 years old is sort of the age that kids are starting to watch this. Yeah. And I think the listeners should probably know that we're not regular Netflix users, you know, we signed up kind of in the name of research to understand what preteens are watching. And yeah, like you just said, my kids are the age that most kids would view this. And that kind of boggles my mind right now. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I didn't realize that they're that old. <laughs> they are. Yeah. So let's give a little um, synopsis. Now, we may be obviously a little bit late to the show, as they say, because Lots of adults and kids have already watched all three episodes that are currently out of Stranger Things. I know I took a look at the Common Sense Media kid reviews and saw that there are a lot of passionate 10 to 12-year-olds who love this show, so much so that they're going on Common Sense Media and rating it as appropriate for 10+. So we watched it, and uh, just to give you a synopsis of what this is, it is a sci-fi thriller some may even say horror, based in a small town of Hawkins, Indiana in the 1980s. The narrative really centers around four young male friends and their families, and one of the, it starts with one of the boys in this little group of friends. He goes missing when a local research lab's experiment goes awry and creates this monstrous world that they call the Upside Down. And so the show really focuses on that and goes on these, quote, stranger things that are happening in this town. So let's jump into, I think there's three themes that we want to talk about that Chelsea and I have identified in this that we want to bring to you as parents. And one of the first themes is, and it's a great, it's a positive one, is friendship. Yeah, the, the friendships were sweet in the show, um, especially because they can't ghost each other and they can't silently walk away from their friendships because there's just no technology like what we experience here today. So for parents watching it, it's just sweet nostalgia because you're like, yeah, that's what friendships used to be like. Face-to-face contact, riding bikes, walkie-talkies, come home when the light streetlights turn on sort of 
feel of America. Absolutely. But, you know, the concern is the language that they use to talk to each other. <laughs> if those were my kids, they would be like Ralphie with a bar of soap in their mouth, like <laughs> sitting on the toilet. <laughs> because I just cannot imagine my child talking to a friend the way they spoke to each other in the show. Right. Yeah. And so one of our themes, yeah, later on is we're going to talk even more about that language, but the friendship, you can see, I mean, these, they're very comfortable with one another. They're not afraid. Um, you see a lot of camaraderie. Some are standing up for what is right, trying to mm-hmm. convince the others to do what is right. You know, you do see a little bit of trying to convince them to do what is wrong or, you know, what feels good in the moment. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, those friendships, I think, just feel very real. And I think that's what can really draw kids as young as 10 into the show because it feels tangible to them. They, they can mm-hmm. see how that friendship um, is relatable to them and their own friendship in their real lives. And then, or maybe it's something they're not even experiencing either. You know, maybe that, you know, that's why TV and television is so kind of like wonderful in that it gives you a hint of what life could be like. Mm. And, you know, friendship is different now. It's not like it used to be. And so maybe it's like, oh, maybe we could have that, or maybe I want to have that because. You know, technology has kind of gotten in the way of that tangible real life friendship. Absolutely. I think that's a, a great talking point when we talk about this theme of friendship that goes on. If we're watching this show with our kids, which is one thing that we would definitely recommend, talking about mm-hmm. this friendship and what aspects of these kids' friendships do you see play out in your real life friendships? You know, are you mm-hmm. seeing this type of camaraderie and loyalty, kindness, accountability? And maybe they're not because we live in such mm-hmm. a different world. But I definitely think it's a great point to talk about with our kids is what do you see in here that you like and how can you be that kind of friend? The show does do this great job of focusing on the narrative of the friendship throughout. Really, it is the thread that ties it all together throughout all three seasons is the friendship and the character relationships that are happening in this small town when all these stranger things are happening. Now, with that said, I think the second theme that we need to talk about is the adult characters and relationships and how they really aren't that positive. You know, one of the themes was like flawed father figures. And it hurts my heart to see kind of fathers put in just kind of like this category of almost they're imbeciles. And yeah. it re- because that's, that's not real life for our home. I know it's not real life for your home. I know it's not real life for many, many homes. And it would be heartwarming, I think, for some parents to see fathers portrayed as just what they are, good, hardworking mm-hmm. dads who try to support their family, but that's not the case in the show. Right. Yeah. You immediately, right. yeah, you immediately see Mr. Wheeler, um, which is mm-hmm. Mike and Nancy's father. He's super passive and completely disconnected to the family. And then mm-hmm. Will's father, when he goes missing, is absent and really apathetic about the, mm-hmm. the whole situation. The doctor, the sort of mad scientist who calls himself Papa to Eleven, who is then called L in the show, Mm -hmm. um, is conducting all these like cruel and dangerous experiments on her when she sees him as a father figure. So that's really distorted. Later on, Mm -hmm. we see Billy's dad as this violent, abusive father who's sort of setting this blueprint, if you will, for violent behavior for his son. You see Hopper, Mm -hmm. who's police chief and one of the main characters, while not necessarily a father figure in the beginning, he, he, we do see some redemptive value, and I don't want to spoil it for people, but hopefully I'm not, but, you know, who adopts Eleven, this girl who they call Elle, 
um, which is great, you know, but at the same time, he's portrayed, though, as this, um, <laughs> how do I say, just kind of this unknowing dad who doesn't know how to handle his own children. Mm-hmm. In season three, he has no idea how to handle the fact that Elle and Mike are dating and they're like constantly kissing and making out and he can't even bring himself to have a conversation with them about it and he's seeking advice from other parents. So they mm-hmm. really portray this parent, well, lots of parents. I mean, I, there's multiple situations where they're just completely out of touch, completely unknowing and incapable of handling their children. Mm-hmm. Do you think mm-hmm. that's true, Chelsea, of today? Do you think that we are, <laughs> as a society, that that's how parents are? Well, I'd hope not. <laughs> I'd like to think um, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know I sent, I think I sent you a text message just a few days ago, like, hey, how how would you handle this situation? But normally it's just because I want wise counsel, you know? So the yeah. fact that, like, Hopper goes to try to, like, talk to another parent about things, you know, that's not necessarily wrong. Because right. we do want wise counsel before we, like, an address, like, address in a big situation. But I think, like, in that instance, the fact that he's portrayed as, like, this kind of, like, fearful, almost, it, it's like they, they switch the roles between the youth and the, the adults. You know, yes. the youth have all the wisdom and the adults have all the immaturity. And that's just not true in real life. We're, you know, we made it to adulthood for a reason. <laughs> right. And so we do have wisdom, despite what these TV shows portray. And so, you know, then it just gives a bad message to our kids that, you know, maybe they can't come to us and they have to solve problems on their own. And that's just not the truth. It's true. Absolutely. Yeah, those are those are good points. So also we see the mothers are really kind of the heroes in it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But Joyce, obviously, Will's mom is just this fierce, you know, relentless fighter for her son and and for finding him after he disappears. Um, What I think is interesting, too, that. Mike and Nancy, who are some of the main characters, brother and sister, and their mom, who starts off as being this very involved and present, active mom in her kids' lives, it jumps all the way to season three, where she's about to have an affair with a teenager. And mm-hmm. I think, wow, this is crazy. And so for I think I see everything from my, through my kids' eyes. What would they think if they saw that without a conversation? Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Without a conversation that really is normalizing, and dare I say this, sort of middle-class, Midwest American mom who has nothing else to do besides have affairs. I mean, that's a terrible picture to paint. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's okay or that it's acceptable and that the dad's just going to make the money and you don't have anything else to do besides sit at the pool in your 80s-style swimsuit <laughs> hitting on 18-year-old lifeguards. Right. It just to me seems crazy. I think in reality, we are seeing some of that. I think that does speak to Mm -hmm. maybe some of today's times. There's a lot of failed Mm -hmm. marriages. Um, But when we look at this through the eyes of what our kids could be seeing, this is something this uh, adult character and the relationships that they hold is definitely something to have a conversation about. Otherwise, they Mm -hmm. watch this very popular show that everybody's watching. And so everybody's agreeing with it in a way. And they have to know that this is a fictional story, mm-hmm. you know, and that it's a drama, mm-hmm. it's over drama, and that this kind of stuff isn't okay. That would be problematic if really problematic, you know, for a marriage, for the family, if, yeah, you know, we acted this way and acted out on our emotions in that, in that sense. Yeah. And, you know, this mom was so put together at the beginning of the show 
um, you know, she was kind of like the backbone of the family. You know, it's like it's kind of like a show of strong Debras, <laughs> like, you know, that we read about in the Bible where, the, you know, the man is incapable of doing what he was supposed to do. And so the women take up the the, the call to do what um, mm-hmm. maybe what the man is supposed to do. And so this woman is still put together. And then then it's this tragic character flaw. You know, we see her about to make this huge mistake in the what the kids are viewing is like, you know, even the best of us, even, you know, we're going to fall, we get tempted and we can be dragged into very awful situations, mm-hmm. you know, pride before the fall, if we're not watching ourselves carefully. But of course, there's no mention of the gospel or of Jesus or of any of that in this show. You know, it's all kind of, well, I can make good choices and I can, you know, relationships can survive, um, you know, based on my choices, uh, you know, my personal morality but of course we know there is no good morality outside of jesus christ and so you know it challenges kids to look inside themselves Mm -hmm. to make the best choices and you know to be wise and we just know we also again i'm going to probably end everything that i say with we just know that's not true (laughs) we just know it's not true it's true (laughs) yeah (laughs) so that really kind of leaves us with this third theme you know we see the friendships we see these Adult characters and relationships is not necessarily positive. But the third theme, and I think it's obviously, it's what I would say is the most concerning and definitely the most really prompting for why we have to have conversations with our kids about these type of shows, is the language, the smoking, the sex, the horror. All of these are present. I mean, if you watched any 80s movies now here in 2020, I think of The Sandlot. I remember I watched that. Probably in the past like five years, and I was like, "Holy cow! There's a lot of language (laughs) in this PG movie, you know." And we watched Top Gun, also rated PG. Like, whoa, this is crazy! You know, we do see a lot of kids cursing. Well, the same thing is true of Stranger Things. You know, the language, if we're honest, probably mimics most middle schoolers in America, especially if they're going to public school. And Mm -hmm. so it's not language that they've not heard. I mean, it may be even said in their homes. But I Mm -hmm. think I'm a little, as an adult, of course, as a Christian mom, a little disturbed that it's portrayed not only as normal, but as they can say it and speak this way to adults, you know, that they can call um, an adult, you know, as a a young adolescent teenager, a lying piece of, you know, (laughs) that Mm -hmm. to me is shocking. Mm -hmm. And I definitely don't want my kids to think that, again, this is normal. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Um, of Last year, we decided to let our kids watch one of the Jurassic Parks. I can't remember which one. And the next day, I made some scrambled eggs. And one of my children came and sat down next to me and was looking at the plate and, you know, eyeing my scrambled eggs. And I was like, do you want some? And they took a bite and they were chewing it. And they looked at me and they're like, those are some damn good eggs, mom. And I, <laughs> I caught myself like, like. But what had happened was, you know, there was, there was, of course, the, that word in the movie. And I had given my silent approval that it was okay to talk like this. And, of course, it's not okay to talk to another human like this. And I had to pause and say, okay, buddy, you know, you can't talk like that. You can't, you know, that's a cuss word. And then we talked about what cuss words were and all that kind of stuff. But because I had never, I didn't pause the movie and say, hey, we don't talk to the, like other people like this. We don't use that word. I had given my silent approval and that's what we really have to be careful about with this show, especially the language, the drugs, the sex, 
we can give our silent approval because to us it seems kind of normative, even though it's not supposed to be normative, but to a child who doesn't understand the ways of the world, they can just be like, okay, mom and dad approve of this because I'm obviously seen in the TV show, so it should be okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when those type of adjectives, if you will, yeah. Um, yeah. Are, <laughs> are the norm around them, yeah. then it becomes a part of their vernacular and they too yeah. will use that as an adjective. But the reality is, is there's a lot of other adjectives to use your example. These are really good eggs. I mean, you could, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could be, you know, that easy that, you know, you just switch it out for a different adjective. And yeah. that's what I think is the point that we really need to teach our kids, because if it becomes normative, then it slips out with the teacher or it slips yeah. out in an interview or a job. You know, there's all these places yeah. or with, you know, maybe their boyfriend or girlfriend's parents, like that's going to make them look a little perhaps not in that great of light because, oh, they're using that language in front of an adult. That's mm -hmm. the reality. We may call it normative because we see in these television shows. But if I, as a parent, had seen, if we use the exa example of a boyfriend or girlfriend of one of my children, and they talk like that in my house, I would immediately mm -hmm. be appalled, taken back, saying, hold the phone. You think it's okay to talk like this? <laughs> that's, that's not okay. I mean, again, maybe some families would. But I think that because of what they're watching and what they're seeing other kids do to adults, they're thinking it's normal. But I would say the general consensus of most adults is kind of like, that feels awkward. You know, when you hear a 15-year-old yeah. yeah. or 11-year-old, for sure, talking yeah. like that. You know, one of the things I love that you say at the end of a brief parenting event is what you allow, you have to monitor. Mm -hmm. And the same goes for Netflix shows. If you're going to allow your child to watch this, you have to monitor it. You have to watch episodes ahead of them. You have to be prepared to talk about social, like, you know, social norms, you know, the morality, you know, the, the imperatives of the gospel, like how we really talk to each other. It, because if not, kids will just assume this is okay. Right. And on that same note, let's just have a brief mention of the sex that goes on, right? Mm -hmm. So it's what I find most interesting is it's, you know, pretty much the high school related is all kind of revolves around Nancy, who is Mike's older sister. And at least unless I miss something, all the times that it was really portrayed, um, she was under the influence of alcohol, definitely mm -hmm. under the age of 21. And so it definitely, that is the best talking point period that you can have with your kids watching this while they don't show any nudity it's obvious what's happening so that can mm -hmm. make it awkward i think it's a little awkward for me as an adult to even be watching it but definitely a talking point if you're watching it with your middle schooler or high schoolers is hey look what happens under the influence of alcohol mm -hmm. such an easy example with nancy she holds her ground and says no i'm not going to do this i'm not that type of girl i'm not that type of girl under peer pressure drinks and then mm -hmm. before you know it, she's in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Definitely a talking yeah. point. I mean, I think there's probably worse scenes in movies for sure that we see, mm -hmm. you know, on the big screen than what they see here. So they definitely are trying to keep it um, fairly clean, but it's definitely still there. Mm -hmm. And I would say the last thing is the horror, suspense, fear. I know personally, mm -hmm. this is not my style, my style at all of type of movie. I don't like to be scared, but I know... Mm -hmm you and your husband have been, have kind of enjoyed it. Well, yeah. So, you know, in the name of research, I sat down and <laughs> I started watching it. <laughs> and, um, you know, my husband walked in and he was like, what are you watching? And I said, oh, Stranger Things. And he's like, oh, and he like jumped on the couch right next to me. And he was like, <laughs> he was, he was all about it because we'd been hearing stuff about the show. And, um, 
we kind of kind of gotten into it um, a little bit. I'll confess that. But I asked him because I was I was really struggling. Like, would I let my my middle schooler watch this? And so I asked him. He's always got great insight. I asked him what he thought, and he was like, "Oh no, <laughs> no." Um, you know, we would have to put it. You know, we love um, the VidAngel filter, and I think VidAngel you can filter um, out the language, uh, which would be fantastic. He's like, but yeah, the the scary parts, the suspenseful parts, those are pretty scary. Like, mm-hmm. so I mean, I I plugged my ears and closed my eyes, and you know, like like watched his facial expressions to see when the the suspense was over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, these monsters that are portrayed in here. I mean, first of all, it's filmed beautifully. I mean, it's a really wonderfully, fantastically produced show. Yeah. It's realistic enough for me. I mean, it has me a little bit scared. I can only imagine. And I know kids love that. My teenagers love to go see the scariest of scary movies. I don't know why. That is not my thing. Again, but I know teens love it. But not just the horror of the monsters, per se, but there's also a lot of killing. Mm -hmm. I mean, not only. Um, deaths by accident from the monsters, but this eleven character who is probably about actually age eleven during this is you know actually has these mind powers from these scientific experiments and stuff and and she's you know she's killing people with her mind and granted she's mm-hmm. saving people with the power of her mind as well but I mean there definitely is this idea that lots of murders deaths happening mm-hmm. whether they're good people they're mm-hmm. bad people but that's still mm-hmm. all in there. And I think definitely yeah. warrants a conversation as well of, of just basic humanity, especially in today's times. Yeah, the respect for human life, but also, you know, the um, we're not we're not the judges. We don't get to decide who lives and who dies. It's not OK for us to make that call based on our feelings or our emotions. And so no matter what, even if we don't want to, we're always respectful and we always care. And that's just that compassion that I think a lot of us wish we could see more of in the world. And that's a great talking point with kids right now, especially today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you touched on this a little bit before, but like this theme of good and evil that they Mm. sort of, again, there's no mention of the Bible or scripture in the show, which we understand. But Mm -hmm. there is this monstrous world, which is evil. And then there's us Mm -hmm. on on the other side in real life humans. And we're battling this evil constantly. And they, they portray it as though, they sort of find the power within themselves to overcome evil. And that is mm-hmm. a very good point. I think that we all have, but we really do need, as Christian parents, we need to remind our kids where that power comes from, where that morality and that goodness mm-hmm. comes from. Yeah. It's not innately in ourselves without our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just not going to happen. And so that's just the bottom line, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think it ties right into like Ephesians six twelve, and we're battling these unseen forces, these Mm -hmm. evil forces, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not human to human, you know, there's lots of stuff going on in our world Mm -hmm. that we're fighting and knowing that there's evil forces that we do have to fight and that we can fight it through the power of Christ, I think is a really great bridge to that conversation from this show. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really great point. Yeah. So overall, you, what, what age would you say would be appropriate? You and your husband after evaluating. (laughs) Um, we are probably looking at freshman high schoolers, like that age range, 14 or upwards. You know, we at Brave Parenting, there's the social at 16. So I've almost, I would almost push it to that as well, just because mm. 
at 16, you can have a greater, greater in-depth conversations about what's going on in the show. But I know that might absolutely, you know, kill a 16 year old that they, they don't have anything relevant to talk about with their friends when all their friends are talking about right. stranger things. So. And so on that note, I would have normally agreed with you. So what I found interesting is as I was researching, I watched a lot of episodes, I confess, in like high speed. I kept skipping 10 seconds, <laughs> 10 seconds ahead. But, you know, and I did this sometimes in public um, areas of the house. And my I have one who is going to be a freshman who's 14 and mm-hmm. immediately said, oh, yeah, I've seen this part. And I was like, oh, have you watched this episode? You know, I don't remember if I saw it on someone's phone or if I saw it as a meme. The reality is with technology mm-hmm. today, chances are even if they're going to friends' houses, they're, you know, something they're exposed they're exposed yeah. to the themes of Stranger Things, even if they're not sitting down and binging all the episodes. So I mm-hmm. actually would say probably around seventh or eighth grade, but it mm-hmm. has to be, has to, has to, has to be with the parent. I, my husband mm-hmm. and I both watched it. And I mean, while we were drawn in to the storyline, mm-hmm. both of us kind of thought, oh, this is like, ugh. This is a lot. I would never let my kids watch it without us just because it does warrant, I feel, too many conversations uh, because it is so culturally popular and culturally normative. So Mm -hmm. I would say that you could probably lower it as long as you are involved in those conversations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we get the the benefit that our kids are homeschooled, so they don't (laughs) their friends are really watching it and we're all in quarantine no one's going to be talking about it (laughs) yeah exactly and my kids go to public school so um and I've got older ones you know I've got 22 18 Mm -hmm. you know 17 16 I've got above my above my 14 13 (laughs) I have these older ones who are also you know have the ability to watch it and exposing them as well so it's a very different scenario but I think that we just can't be naive to think that our kids aren't exposed even if we aren't allowing them to watch it Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome. I hope that this has helped you as parents to kind of get an inside look at Stranger Things and how we can really use this uh, media that's out there in the world today to really help build positive, good character and relationships in our kids. Thank you, Chelsea, so much for sharing your wisdom and perspective with us on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Kelly. It's always, it's so much fun to be here. Awesome. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you have any questions about what we talked about today, or if you have any stories about maybe conversations that you've had with your kids about Stranger Things, we would sure love to hear that and share it with our Brave Parenting community. You can email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends so they too can be encouraged and equipped as a parent. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe every child deserves a brave parent willing to set a new standard. Until next week, go and be brave.